welcome to the Monday Main Point. I'm Jeremiah Custer. I'm going to be uh, the host for uh, the next hour or so. Uh, Jonathan, he's on vacation, so Jonathan won't be with us today, but we do have uh, Jeff McCarthy, our senior pastor, uh, Blake Flincham, our children's pastor, and Katrina Redman, our minister of congregational care with us. So we have four uh, plenty to talk about, really great subject. Uh, we're going to talk about the Great Commission, um, and we're going to try to fit it into an hour, even though we could talk about this for days and days and days. And Jeff's right when he said, and by the way, if you if you haven't got to listen to uh, the sermon, I, I just encourage you to push pause on what you're doing right now. Don't listen to us. Go back and listen to the sermon. It was a great sermon on one of the Great Commission passages. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, so just go go listen to a really good sermon, uh, and then you can come back and listen to us. That makes more sense, anyways, because we're going to talk about the sermon. So the sermon uh, was from Luke twenty four forty seven, or really it was from forty four through uh, forty nine. So I'm actually going to read all that text, but before I do that, I wanted to tell you that uh, I'll just give you the title. The title of the sermon was a message to all nations. So I'm going to read this from the ESV. I think Jeff read it from, what, the New King James? NLT. The NLT, okay. I'll read it from the ESV because that's what's in front of me. Um, so uh, beginning in verse 44, it says, Then he said to them, that's Jesus, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in the name to all nations beginning from uh, Jerusalem. You are my witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And so that's the text. Uh, it's in the context of uh, the road to Emmaus experience. So it's one of the post-resurrection stories. In fact, it's Luke's post-resurrection story. Um, so it's the last chapter of the Bible, which I find it, or last chapter, sorry, of Luke, uh, of the book of Luke. I find it interesting that both Matthew, I think Mark and Luke all have their Great Commission story in the last chapter. Is Mark's in the last chapter? Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's what I pulled my yeah. text from. Yeah, yeah. 16. Okay, cool, cool, yeah. cool. Um, good. Um, so all of them have their Great Commission passage as some of the last words Jesus says. In Matthew, it's legit his last words recorded from Matthew. Of course, Luke Luke doesn't just write the book of Luke. He writes Acts also. So he has like kind of two. He has the Acts 1-8, which is more popular than uh, this one, although this one's very good too. Um and like Jeff mentioned, uh, this is one of my favorite passages, one of my go-to passages uh, for kind of the thrust. The, the main reason I like it is because of the things Jesus says about the Scriptures. And that was kind of point one. Um, and how Jesus said that all the Scriptures point back to me. He doesn't say that specifically. That's Jeremiah's paraphrase. But uh, Jeff talked about it yesterday. I've talked about it before. Um, but that's basically what Jesus is saying, is that all of the scriptures point to me. And most interesting from that passage is it says that Christ should suffer and that Christ should rise as it is written. 
meaning that these things were prophesied, these things were talked about in the Old Testament. Um, and it's kind of our job to, to, to look back and interpret the Old Testament through the lens of Christ and what he did in the New. So we get that privilege as Christians, and I think Jeff did a good job with that. But um, really there was two points. Um, but before we kind of jump into it, I wanted to, to bring up a guy at the seminary uh, we bring him up all the time, me and Jonathan. We love him. I think Blake is starting to take his classes, and you love him. Dr. McKinnon. Yes, I'm taking my second class with him. Dr. Right McKinnon teaches theology at uh, um, the seminary. Like, And I had to take three. Do you still have to take theology one, two, and three? No, it's just two. Just two. Yeah. So we had to take three. It was split up in three. But when we got to the portion on ecclesiology, which is the study of the church, he started with this verse, with t- chapter 22, verse 47, oh, wow. um, and basically said that it defines who the church is and defined what the church is supposed to be doing. And that we're supposed to be preaching repentance and faith to all nations for all who would believe, beginning first in Jerusalem. So it, it's the Great Commission. It's just a rehashing of that, but he uses this text, and uh, um, and I find that interesting. And I love Dr. McKinnon. Um, but when we talk about who the church is, this is what the church is. And I know I've talked a lot. Uh, we're five minutes in, and I'm the only one who said anything, except for maybe Blake a little bit. Um, but Jeff, Jeff had mentioned that this was kind of an addendum to, and, and keep in mind that Jeff wrote his blog before Nick preached. So it just kind of worked. I think God did that. I think it worked well together. Um, but Jeff had mentioned... Uh, uh, if we're going to exist for another 143s, we we got to be uh, people who are about the Great Commission. And so I'll just kind of get throw it to Jeff. Give us kind of your vision for where you were at with this, and uh, we'll move on. Yeah, it's kind of like I was thinking about you know when you when I do a blog, I, it's kind of like sets me on a path for the month or whatever, and um, and then help find a verse that goes along with it. And so. Um, it's inevitably, it seems like every time around September, October, when we're coming back to church and everything, my, my, my mind and heart always goes to evangelism or the Great Commission or whatever. Because remember that one year we did that whole big recommit and all that. That's right so, before uh, I came. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, um, so, this, so I was thinking about that, and I was like, well, you know, I've done all the Great Commission passages, and, and I thought, well, what did, you know, what where's Luke's because I was thinking you know Luke's was 1-8 yeah, I went back to that and I said oh okay uh, this is actually a great commission passage mm-hmm. and but I've never really preached it as a great commission passage now what I made one mistake I was uh, when when he gave it it wasn't just the two guys that got the commission it was all 11 because they had went back to Jerusalem yeah. and told everybody had hey we've we've met this guy and it's Jesus, and then he appears before them. So all this happened back in Jerusalem. So it was to the whole 11, not just the two guys that were on the road. So that was uh, that was one mistake I made, but it still didn't mess mess up the mm-hmm. emphasis of the sermon because we still don't know who the two guys were on the, on the road. Um, but anyway, so um, I was thinking, okay, we got homecoming again. It's going to be, you know... Why do we? Why do we even exist as a church? And that's kind of where my blog went. And uh, so uh, I talked about you know the most famous one we know, uh, Matthew twenty-eight, and then the Mark one um, is shorter, but it's right there to the point. And then the Acts one; those are the three that get all the all the uh, glory from the pastors and all. And then when I came to this one, 
um, I was like, oh, okay. And even when people write about it and all, they call this the Overlooked Commission because it's not really like, even though it's there and everything's there, all the elements are there, mm-hmm. it's, it's written in a different way, a kind of a narrative way with Luke. And Luke is writing to the Gentiles, so it makes more sense. Uh, Matthew's was, you know, strict uh, fulfilling of the scriptures and, and a strict Jewish way of, okay, do this, follow these commands, that kind of thing. And then Luke's was more like, uh, I guess the emphasis about the forgiveness of sin and repentance, that was their message to the Gentiles. Mm-hmm. And um, so it kind of flows then in, when you go into Acts, it just is a good flow into the book of Acts. Mm-hmm. And we're still writing the book of Acts. You know, it's still going on. We're, we are the book of Acts, right? Now. Yeah. And um, so, the, so there was a comma at the end of Acts, yeah. and it keeps on going until Christ comes back. So. Yeah, there's that organization. What are they called? Acts 29? Yeah, mm-hmm. Acts 29. You're talking yeah. about the church planning? Yeah, 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 yeah Acts yeah. 29. It's the next Which, chapter. Which, uh, if you're looking your Bible, Acts, there's no Acts 29. There's only 28 yeah. chapters. <laughs> I just thought that was always so clever. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but Blake, um, so yeah, that's that's Jeff's vision. Uh, point one, uh, it was a shorter point. It's where I get most excited. I like point two, too. But point one was all about... Uh, the point basically says it is a message that's been preserved in the mm. scriptures. Um, and this is something I don't think gets talked about much, mm. so maybe this is not a softball. But uh, basically what Jeff was saying and what the scripture says is that the Great Commission was prophesied or talked about in the Old Testament. Like yeah. this, this was always kind of the plan. Um, at least that's what I'm understanding from from the Great Commission and yeah. from this passage. Like that, it was it was pointed to in the the text, and so thus uh, it must have been talked about in the text. So I don't you don't necessarily have to talk about specifics of where that might be, um, but just talk about that for a second. Was this always kind of God's plan uh, post the fall? Yes, it it was. Um, it's actually funny you mentioned that because I had a intro to Christian missions class last year and Dr. Hildreth actually made us go through the Old Testament because this was kind of like his main verse for his class mm. and he made us go through the Old Testament. Wait, say that again? So Dr. Hildreth's main text for his intro to Great Commission, or excuse, intro to Christian missions class was this verse right here. So apparently the seminary really likes this verse. Yeah. <laughs> apparently yeah. it's pretty important. Right? Yeah. Well, and so, and, well, and, and he was going back to the, well, hold on. The, Jesus says the scriptures point to me, so find, find it. Find them, yeah. 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 And, okay. gosh, it's everywhere. I mean, yeah. you look at um, some places in the law that prophesy, but um, one place that really comes to mind is Isaiah chapter 2, verse 2. And um, it says that um, it shall come to pass in the latter days, and that's talking about the Jesus coming in church age that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest mountains and shall be lifted up above the hills and all the nations shall flow to it. Mm. And if you look through um, the Psalms, uh, it's like, let the nations be glad, let all nations praise the Lord. I'm thinking Psalm. um, um, You've got a lot of Psalms in there. And even in the prophets, you'll um, you'll see like this idea of restoration come on and how this restoration is going to go to all nations you see that with uh jeremiah um i preached a sermon on obadiah and obadiah is focusing on edom for the first part 
But then there's a word change in there where he talks about all nations are going to it. How, um, uh, let me go find it right here because I want to be exact when I say it. <laughs> um, Obadiah. Apparently, this was a softball for Blake. He's got right. well, multiple I mean, examples, like specific examples, of, at least when it comes to the all nations. But yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, in Obadiah fifteen, which if you're like, why'd you say fifteen? Well, there's only one chapter, so for books that have one chapter, you just say the verse. It says, "For the day of the Lord is near upon all the nations. As you have done, it shall be done to you." So there's um there's a lot of places that point towards the nations um the latter verses and or excuse me the latter chapters in isaiah are really good for that uh some scholars have even called isaiah the fifth gospel because of just how gospel centric it is and um how it is going to go to all nations um and that's why jesus says here that the law the prophets and the psalms point to that so if you're um like a Hebrew understanding that um, the Old Testament was called the Tanakh, which is stands for the Torah, which is the first five books of the law, the um, Nevi'im, which is the prophets, and the Ketuvim, which is the writings. So how you translate that into English is the law, the prophets, and the Psalms, or the writings. So in if you look at every section of the Old Testament, there's going to be something about how the nations are going to know that... that um, that God's for all the nations. I mean, you look mm-hmm. in Joshua, um, you got Rahab. She's not an Israelite. She's coming to faith. Ruth, that's in the writings. Um, she's a Moabitess. And in the book of Ruth, it's pretty clear every time Ruth's name is mentioned, the author of it always says Ruth the Moabitess. Because I really think the author's trying to get across. You have this Moabite woman who Moab, the Moabites were an enemy of the Israelites coming to faith Mm -hmm. so all through you just have and i could go on and on about it but (laughs) you've got so many examples of how yeah it is prophesied through the old testament yeah and and that's specific to uh the all nations part um but maybe katrina now you can go to the repentance and faith being proclaimed because i think when we talk more practical application for us as people here in durham um, it's that portion. I mean, we obviously want to what, preach to or teach and share the gospel with people of all nations, especially those in our own backyard. But uh, what about the repentance and faith? Was that always God's plan in the Old Testament? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, from the the fall, you know, you, you had this break in um, relationship with God. Um, and, you know, that's what I love about the story, not the fact that we fell, but the fact that God didn't leave us. You know, mm-hmm. he, he stayed with us um, in this journey, and all along he provided the bridge uh, for us to get back to that relationship with him where he could um, speak to us and walk with us, and that's the Holy Spirit being able to dwell within us. Yeah. So, yeah, even all the way back in Genesis, we can see how that... Um, that repentance, that coming back to God um, is still available to us. And we still have a choice on whether we can, whether we do that or not. And that's still relevant um, today um, in how we approach or decide not to approach. Yeah. And you mentioned today's time and, and um, there seems to be a little bit of a um, keeping God at arm's distance. 
And the problem with keeping God at arm's distance is he's just waiting to embrace us. And um, the requirement to do that is that repentance. That, yeah. you know, I, I realized, like you said um, a while back, one of your sermons, um, uh, no, it was Pastor Jonathan. Sorry, Pastor Jeff. It was Pastor Jonathan that Sorry. said that, that he was talking about the offense of the gospel. Mm. And he said that, you know, you have to realize you, you're not God and you need him. That's basically it in a nutshell. And that's that's repentance when you say, mm-hmm. I messed up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I find it comforting that this text is so specific. Because remember, the, the whole point is that this message was preserved from the scriptures. And so... Um, it's so specific about faith that sometimes when we read the Old Testament, we can get we. I've been reading Exodus and and Deuteronomy for a couple of weeks now, and and you can get really bogged down with like, all right, am I supposed to be keeping all these laws? Is there any possible way I could have even done this, or I could do this? Is this is this what pleases God? But when it talks about repentance and faith from the Old Testament that that was always the plan it was never about keeping all the laws and being perfect now we needed someone who could do that which is why we needed jesus right um and so this passage is clearly about jesus and how he accomplished the the law and fulfilled the law for us but that it was always about repentance and faith even for the israelites even in the old testament and so god's plan post fall was always kind of about this and my problem or maybe it's a question and before we judge Israel too hard I'm going to bring this back to us too but do we think that that was God's plan for them and do you think they did a good job so so Blake brought up a bunch of um like is it their plan to do the great commission were they supposed to be the ones who preach repentance and faith or were they supposed to just have the law keep it for themselves have God keep it for themselves or were they supposed to be missionaries or were they supposed to go and tell others because we know from a couple of Blake's examples there were people who were grafted into the people of God who weren't Israelites do we think that that was their job to be missionaries to do the great commission and can we maybe learn from them uh because if i'm being honest i don't know if we necessarily do much better i think sometimes the church the christian church us yeah we are like i'm saved i'm good and we hold it for ourselves and i think that's the same mistake israel made jeff you're you're shaking your head so Mm -hmm. i'll just pitch that to you yeah um you know when jesus came to the temple and in the court of Gentiles where the nations were supposed to be able to come to 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 get as close as they could to the presence of God uh, was filled with money changers and people exchanging lambs and get you know, that lamb's not good enough to take this one yeah and uh, things like that and they were they, they turned it into like a market and like a tourist trap yeah and so but but all the people that were supposed to be in there were crowded out mm. And that's why Jesus was upset because he said this is supposed to be a house of prayer for all nations. Mm-hmm. So in other words, that was a good. point to bring people because back in those days, um, they went to worship the God who was the God 
that they felt like was the ultimate God. Mm -hmm. So when they had battles and everything, you know, our God defeated your God. He's the God of the mountains. He's the God of the battle. And so when people were coming to Jerusalem, truly seeking God, uh, they wanted to know if this truly is the God. You know, we want to worship with him as close as we can. And so they, they were prohibiting the Gentiles from from even coming. Yeah. And um, and so if you take Jonah, for example, too, he was sent to a Gentile nation to preach, and he was upset about it. Like, I, I don't want to. You know, they're our, our arch enemy. We want them to die. And God's like, no, go preach. And then he becomes a sign that Jesus uses to say, hey, yeah, that, that's a sign pointing to my death, burial, and resurrection. Mm-hmm. Um, but he goes and reluctantly preaches, and the whole city is saved. Mm-hmm. And even the cows and the sheep and all that are saved. And, you know, he even gets angry with that. So, so um, I love that example uh, because in his prayer, he tells God straight up, <laughs> yeah. I didn't want to go because I knew you would didn't save Didn't you them. preach on Jonah? I might have been I me. Think I it don't know. But he tells them straight up, I didn't want to go because I knew you would save yeah. them. All yeah. because I know so you're the all Israelites knew that God would save the Gentiles. Right. They knew it. And yet, like Jonah and many other examples we could give, they didn't want to go proclaim Jesus to them because they right. didn't and want even, them to be saved. Yeah, and Abraham at the very beginning, the God, when God says, I'll bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you, they tend, tended to, to emphasize the curse part. Like, you know, cur- curse them. They're our enemies. They don't like us. Instead of like when Jesus came, he says, pray for your enemies. Mm. Do good to those that persecute mm. you and all. So he flipped everything back to where it was supposed to be. Uh, but we, like I said, we're getting the same thing. Um, like, let's, let's use a contemporary example. We have tons of people, floods of people coming from all over into America. Many of them illegal. Some are refugees. Some are here legally. Some are here for, you know, education and everything. And so we can curse and say, look at all these people here. You know, they're running our country. and uh, They're all voting the opposite yeah, way as me. And, they and, shouldn't and, even be voting. Yeah, and so then we don't even go try to reach them. Yeah. But, and even the scriptures, the Bible talks about how they were supposed to take care of the strangers and all. And when they were brought out of Egypt, they brought their strangers and their, their servants with them. Even the people that weren't part of God were yeah. part of that whole redemption story. So, so yeah, it's all in there. You just have to have eyes to see and the mind open to see it. Uh, if, if you're looking for it, you'll find it. Mm-hmm. And I think, I, I think uh, when he says that, Jesus showed them. Then when Peter preaches and Paul preaches, they all do the same thing. They take the Old Testament scriptures, mm-hmm. show how that he's the Messiah. And so then the so what of that is, what am I going to do about it? Well, that's the forgiveness and repentance part. But if he's really the Messiah, that's a sign. So sorry. I had the ringer turned off, I promise. That's all right. No, you're good. So... <laughs> So, uh, what was I saying? I forgot what I said. But, uh, Something uh, about missions, I think. <laughs> <laughs> now you're just doing them off even further. <laughs> uh, I don't you were wrapping up your point. But yeah, yeah, I think yeah. Blake had something he wanted to say. Um, so. <laughs> I, I, I do listen to it later. No, yeah. One thing I do love about this, and you might have been getting there, Jeremiah, so if I'm jumping ahead of you, I'm sorry. But, oh, um, good. 
But um, it says, all, Jesus is also saying that according to the scriptures, it was written that Christ should suffer on the third day and then rise again. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I can see the death passages, but like, where's the resurrection at in here? Yeah. You know, I think those, and I know we've talked about it on the podcast, but it might be yeah. good to refresh maybe our minds and the listener's mind with it. Um, I, some things that I always go to is like a Psalm 22. Um, Jesus quotes that on the cross, yeah. um, and Isaiah fifty three, mm-hmm. but I think Isaiah fifty three has the suffering servant, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I also think Isaiah fifty three prophesies the resurrection as well, because it talks about how, um, um, like it pleased the Lord to crush him, but um, to bring and, many into the right to to justify many, and yeah. then after his anguish, he will see the light, and uh, he will receive the spoil. It's like well. Okay, how does he receive the spoil if he's dead? So yeah. I think I so I think when Jesus is here, I it wouldn't surprise me if Isaiah fifty three came to, came to his mind. Yeah. Um, some other passages though might be a little bit tougher. To, well, <laughs> tougher like to, um, there's two. Jeff already mentioned one, Jonah. Which yeah. we would have missed. Right. We would have missed that, except Jesus yeah. straight up tells us. And, and if I'm a Jew in that Old Testament time, in his time, I probably would have missed it too. Yeah. Yeah. Then another one for me uh, is, so we all know that the Isaac, where, where Abraham's going to sacrifice mm-hmm. his son Isaac, that's pretty easy to see the cross story. Yeah. But when the Hebrews, there's a portion in it where it talks about we're going to go up there and we're going to come back to you. We're going to mm-hmm. worship and we'll come back. Yeah, and we'll come back. Like Pearl. Yeah. Me and my son are coming back. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. That it says that. Well, the reason I bring that up is because in Hebrews, when it talks about the faith Abraham had, it says that he had faith that his son would come back to him. Mm-hmm. Meaning, I think that Abraham thought he would rise from the dead, that he was going to have to kill his son and he would rise from the Somehow dead. Somehow God would bring him back to That life. he would bring him back. But instead, God provided a substitute, mm-hmm. and that substitute came back. And so th- there's allusions to it, and then when you get into Job, uh, Job, mm-hmm. there's a mention of the actual third day, and there's a few mentions of resurrection, like general revel- resurrection for humans in general. Um, maybe not specifically for the Christ, because right. I think that's... Well, he does say, I, I know my Redeemer lives, and I will see him at the last day. Yeah. So he does make that. And he does make a reference to the third day, too, yeah. which is, again, pretty obscure. Hmm. But Well, you bring up an interesting uh, point, and that's what I went back to when you talked about, you know, is there something in the Old Testament um, that... Uh, you know, prophesize. You know, where where do we see Jesus in the Old Testament? Yeah. And you know, in the Abrahamic covenant, that's where I went back to yeah. in chapter twelve in Genesis. And He says, "I will bless those who bless you, him who dishonors you, I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall mm. be blessed." Mm. So His plan all along was for everybody. For all the families. For of the all earth. Yeah. of the families. Mm-hmm. And uh, Galatians actually quotes that and says that. All the families of the earth or the true children of Abraham are those who have placed their faith in Jesus. That's Jeremiah's paraphrase, but it's in there, I promise. Um, And so, yeah, this was the plan from the beginning. And I know we've we've spent quite a bit of time here, uh, and this was kind of the lesser of the two points yesterday. But it's still a good point to 
to just think about like was this God's plan all along and how can we learn from Israel and maybe not make the same mistakes because we can be harsh to them and say look they they messed this up they kept it for themselves but then if once we start looking in our own lives we start realizing oh we might do this too and let's not make the same mistake because I think a lot of times we mistakenly think that God is going to rescue people without others telling them about Jesus. Right? And Jeff Jeff talked about that. Was that in point one or point two, Jeff? That was in point two. Point two. So we're kind of moving to that direction. It has to be proclaimed. It has to be proclaimed. So, so this is actually a good transition. Yeah, and yeah, it, it, the thing about the point one is we have a, a resource materials. Yeah. We have the scriptures too. The same ones Jesus pointed to, mm-hmm. same ones Peter preached out of and Paul. And then we have an addendum because we have the New Testament as yeah. well. So we have more resource material. Mm-hmm. So that's not just us making up a story, you know. This is we have backing to it. Yeah. And that was the kind of the point about number one too, was yeah. that, that we have this same same thing they did we can do too and I think the point I was trying to make is yeah Jesus is the Messiah we proved it now so what here's the so what which is the repentance what yeah. are you going to do about it so yeah. I can convince somebody that Jesus is God but if I never say now what are you going to do about it are you going to follow him because you have to make a decision then yeah. you either believe it or um, you you don't you, you have to think about it some more yeah. or you reject it outright yeah those are the three options. Everybody makes a decision. Yeah. It's just a whether it's a, a decision to follow Christ, right. a de- decision to die to self, or a decision to think think on it for a little longer, or a decision to outright reject it. Yeah, right. But the, a decision has to be made. Yes. Once, and you, it's, once you're confronted with the facts about it from yeah. the scriptures, you've got to decide. And our job is not to make that decision for mm-hmm. them. In fact, that's the Spirit's job, we would say, in, in drawing and all that stuff. Our job is just to proclaim it. Now, what, like, like I said, I love point one because we do believe in the sufficiency of Scripture. Yes. Meaning that you could read the Scriptures and know everything mm-hmm. you need on how to get saved. I believe that. But Romans makes it very clear that how are people to even know about the Scriptures? How are they to know about Jesus if there's not a proclaimer coming and telling them about him. Right, and he goes on to say in verse 17, so faith comes through hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Well, the word of Christ has to be proclaimed. You know, people yeah. have to hear it in order for them to, for faith to come around. Yeah. And um, and that's why I, when like, I'm teaching like evangelism classes, um, kind of like what I did in the um, fall last year, it's always important to mention scripture whenever you are um, witnessing to somebody because I mean Paul's clear the word of you know faith comes through hearing the word of Christ yeah. even if it's just mentioned in John three sixteen or if you're sharing your testimony and you talk about how um, you're a new creation for the old is for the old's done away with the new has come something yeah. like that now I'm not saying testimony is necessarily a gospel presentation don't misunderstand me there but um, but it's important to throw in scripture into your witnessing yeah so that they can hear yeah i agree and uh so like jeff had some sub points under this but uh the first sub point was about the name and and the reason i bring that up is because 
Man, Jeff Jeff really did a great job of expositing Luke 24. Like, really good, in my opinion. Um, and so when it talks about uh, repentance and faith will be proclaimed in the name, I think that's important because Romans tells us, and Jeff quoted this, Romans tells us mm-hmm. that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so it's important not just that we... And I think this this is what stinks for Israel. Um, they didn't know Jesus like like we know Jesus. They weren't post cross understanding Jesus. So like we have even more information. Like what Jeff was just mentioning, we have even more information uh, than they have. And I think that comes with more responsibility, more yes. like being specific, making sure people know it's it's Jesus that saves you. We we, we proclaim his name, him we proclaim, which is Colossians one twenty eight. And Jesus even did that. So one of the things that I loved about your sermon, um, you were talking about um you can proclaim it and people have the the choice to not believe it. They just because you proclaim it doesn't mean they're gonna believe it. Yeah. And as I was looking through what stood out to me in the scripture in Matthew twenty eight where at the end we get the Great Commission. In the first part of it, it talks about um, Jesus and Mary Magdalene was at the tomb. And an angel, she sees an angel. The guards are there. They've fallen out. And the angel says, you know, he's not here. He's risen. Go tell the disciples. But before she can get to the disciples, Jesus appears to her mm-hmm. and, and says, do the same thing. So she got it directly from Jesus, not just from the angel. She got it directly from Jesus. Go and tell tell them who I am and then if you go over to Mark and you're reading the same story she does and they don't believe her right (laughs) so you know you've got this this lady um, who had uh, seven demons was cast out and she was a follower she followed with the other women with the disciples and she was there and they didn't trust what she had to say right and that and that's one of the strong arguments for the resurrection too that the first witness to the resurrection was a woman that if i was writing that as a man in those days and i wanted to have credibility i would have had like the 11 disciples would have showed up and they all would have saw jesus Mm. but being a woman then you know that's how god works he works so that that um so, and I think that was important too, that yeah. to show that all of us yes. have been given this commission. He showed from the not just the beginning. pastor, not That's just right. men, but all of us—men, women, boys, and girls—that mm-hmm. come to know Christ. Um, and that authority then is passed on to us. Mm-hmm. He chose to give us this authority to to proclaim this message, which is pretty pretty. Um, which really should free us up to be a good witness right. because it's really. It's his message, and it's about him. It's not about me and my life, but it's about him. And uh, that frees us up then to, to really proclaim the message when we look at it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> there it is. Uh, sorry, I was looking for a scripture. But um, you brought up just now, you brought up the, the Spirit's work. And um, this is also important, too, because... I know I keep making this comparison to Israel and us. Israel doesn't have the indwelling spirit. And by the way, the indwelling spirit dwells in all Christians, male, female. Um, And and that's important because I think Acts 2 is super important. When the spirit falls, they quote from the book of Joel and says that all the sons and daughters will prophesy. 
Um, and, and not to get into what prophecy means, but basically all the sons and daughters will proclaim, thus says the Lord, what yeah. God has said, will right. proclaim the truth, the gospel, right? And so all of us are God's witnesses, but uh, the, that last kind of sub-point was re- really where I was kind of, I guess, convicted personally, just um, and, and where I think practical application we can pull from is is relying on the Holy Spirit. Relying on Him. And I was reminded, as Jeff was preaching, in John 14. So there's really like two places, uh, two two chapters in John. John 14 and John 16. And actually I'm going to preach on John 16 this coming Sunday. Okay, good. Well, I won't quote from that. The three, I'll quote from the three things that the Holy Spirit does. No. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I, spoil, <laughs> I, might, I might spoil one. That's fine. But that's I, want fine. To, I want to bring yeah. it up from John 14. Yeah. Um, because I think I think a lot of people think that when they they don't, let, let's just rephrase this. Some people don't share the gospel because they're they don't think they know what to say. Mm-hmm. They're scared of public speaking, which it's not really public speaking. I want you to share the gospel with your friend, right? Just the person you talk about your nails with and your the football game and board games or whatever your hobbies is, the person that you go to all the time for everything, I want you to share your gospel, share the gospel with them. And honestly, practice with your friends even if they're Christians. It's a good share the gospel. Just practice, practice. doing that between you, you, yourselves. Um, but part of the practical application for this is relying on the Holy Spirit. You just be willing and I believe the Holy Spirit will give you the words to say. Not that they show up out of nowhere, but one of the Spirit's role, for me, super important, comes from John 14. Uh, so it says, uh, in John 14, 25, says this, These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. So that's Jesus. Verse 26, But the Helper, which we believe is the Holy Spirit, actually it says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I, Jesus, have said to you. So it's one of the Spirit's jobs to remind us of everything Jesus has said to us. Well, how does that work in the Christian life? Did Jesus, did Jesus ever say anything to me personally? No. So I think one of the Spirit's jobs is to remind you of the Scriptures. The Scriptures you should have been reading and studying, yeah. meditating on, memorizing, and making part of your life. And so the best practical application I can give you, if you don't feel like you have the words to say to, to share the gospel, best application I can give you is to just read the Bible. That's read good. it, That's and good. you may not even... You may not have great comprehension the moment you read it. It might have been a bad day for you because that happens. Sometimes I got to read it, then I got to read it again, then I got to read it again. That happens. I get distracted. I'm an American millennial who my, I was literally reading scripture this morning. My phone buzzed and it threw me all off track just because my phone buzzed for half a second. Threw me way off. My mind just went everywhere. So I know that happens. But I believe that the the spirit doesn't bring stuff just out of nowhere mm-hmm. right he's not going to place the spirit doesn't just place information you don't know i mean that's a miracle and i think the spirit can do that 
But I think one of its roles is to remind you, yes. remind you of the things Jesus has said, remind you. And for us, Jesus, the things Jesus says, we've read in the scriptures. So remind you of the scriptures. And Blake mentioned it earlier. I'm going to mention it again. I like to share the gospel by basically just sharing scripture. So there's a few verses, like they call it the Romans Road. Yeah. And Jeff quoted like half of them this past Sunday. They're very, actually very simple. Meditate on those verses and I promise you, you can share the gospel. That's right. There's only like seven of them. Yeah. You meditate on those, get the kind of progression of the argument for what those are talking about, and you can share the gospel. And, and don't rely on your own ability. Rely on the Spirit to remind you. And just trust Him. And let's say you fumble through it. Who cares? You tried. You did your best. And they saw you as being a human who makes mistakes too, who doesn't have it all figured out. But they just keep trying. Keep keep talking to your friend. Have those conversations. Uh, bring them here. We'll tell them ab about Jesus. Um, and just have a relationship with people. But uh, uh, Katrina wants to I say think, something. I think... Um you know, it, you're reminding me of that verse, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of oh, God. Yeah. Because I, when I was looking at those passages um, with Mary Magdalene, one of the other things that came to mind was Timothy's um, teachers. Uh, when Paul was talking to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1, he was talking about, I am reminded of your sincere faith, of faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, mm. and now I am sure dwells in you. Mm. Mm. So that word, that testimony was in his family. And I, as much as we want to talk to friends, we talk to family too. We, yeah. we teach each other. Those are the uh, most prominent role models for us, mm. are our family. And um, what we've been taught uh, from childhood, you know, is important. It sticks with us. Mm. And um, we don't want to cast that aside just because it's not popular or, mm -hmm. or we don't understand it um, because those role models have a purpose for us. And I think one of the things uh, the modern American churchgoer assumes that most everybody that was born in America probably knows about Jesus and the gospel and why he came. and So we just assume people know this stuff. And so when you have conversations with people, we can't really assume anything. Mm -hmm. That's a good and, point. And um, yeah. so our job really is, you know, just, just like this passage shows us and as those seminary professors were talking about, is is to get the person from the point where they, they understand and know who Jesus is, you know, and we've got scripture that will say, you know, this is what we believe about Jesus. And then the, the, the next, the so what or the, uh, the you know, what are you going to do about it? section which is all right here's what happened to me i got forgiven and gave me a new life and you can have the same thing too mm. and so that's a uh, even that we have to explain to what does it mean to repent you know we can't just use all these church words and yeah. church language yeah, in this culture we live in now yeah. because they take everything like they like redemption for example mm. we're all most of us in here are sports fans i don't know if you're a sports fan or not but um I'm a big Carolina fan, and, and the year that they lost the tournament, and then the next year they won it, and they called it redemption. Mm -hmm. It's what they, the whole the whole season was based on redemption, and and then their mind was it, redemption was something they could earn on their own and achieve 
when they won that championship. Well, that's not what redemption means. Redemption means I can't earn and achieve, you know, salvation. Mm -hmm. Someone has to pay that price for me. Mm -hmm. And so, so when we, when we talk to people, we have to assume they really don't know anything. And then once we have the conversation, we may find out maybe they know more than we thought to begin with. And then keep pointing them to this basic premise that if you believe that Jesus is the Messiah and you understand you're a sinner, you can receive forgiveness if you repent, which means to turn from the way you're living now to turn to follow him. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really that simple. We complicate it. <clears throat> we have complicated the gospel so much um, that, that it, it takes real practice to uncomplicate it and make it as simple as you can get it. Mm-hmm. Because... Um, uh, it's a free gift that's offered, and uh, but if a person doesn't realize they need forgiveness, they're not really interested in it, or if they don't feel like the way they're living is, you know, simple, or uh, you know, it, it, it's hard to to penetrate the heart. But if we go back then to prove who Jesus is, uh, if he's really the Messiah, if he's really God, you know. Are you really willing to follow him? And um, and then once once they make that determination, then that's going to lead them on the path to to following him, and then understanding what forgiveness is, repentance, and becoming that disciple, and realizing, hey, I've got to I've got to really give him one hundred percent of my life. And when I do make mistakes and I do mess up, he does continue to forgive me mm-hmm. and uh, put me back on the right path again following him again you know coming into that relationship so um yeah so i mean it's amazing the gospel's still the gospel that that one uh scripture i read about uh paul when he when he talked talked to uh the ephesian church was you know he's like i've only had one message Mm -hmm. you know that, that Jesus is the Messiah and he offers forgiveness for, for those who are willing to repent. And that's still the same message. And it still resonates to people that are seeking God. Now, it may not resonate to people that aren't seeking God right now, but if someone's really seeking God, that still resonates and it helps put them on the pathway to finding Jesus if we just do our part and realize that um, <clears throat> not everybody's gonna, going to... I mean, I wish that there was some way that somebody could just proclaim the message on the internet or something and it gets put in every language and then the whole world at one time or within a matter of a week or so repents and everybody becomes a Christian. You know, that would be the ultimate goal, right? But is that going to happen? No, it's not going to happen because of our hearts and our sinfulness. But I don't know who... Who the person I'm talking to across from me is is if they're ready to receive Christ or not. My goal is to talk to them about it and see where they are on the in that pathway to God. And I don't want to I don't want to make them turn away from God and go the opposite direction. My goal in witnessing all is to get them to make that next step, whatever that may be. If it's salvation, and I happen to be the one that's there when they're ready to receive Christ, praise the Lord. Mm. But if it's just like, hey. That's interesting, Pastor. I'm thinking about that, and that's all I'm going to get. Then that's fine too, because the next person coming behind me may be the one that gets them to the next step. So, but I don't want to be 
in my witness come across as judgmental and argumentative and uh, holier than thou and or throw in good works or anything like that that then puts them you know farther from God so that's that's kind of where we are when we think about it in doing this great commission is we're just supposed to proclaim it and let the chips fall where they may but come proclaim it properly biblically uh and with compassion and understanding as best we can. And, uh, and in the power of the Holy Spirit, because it's not really up to us. Because mm. uh, we are feeble. We're going to mess up. Mm. I've never presented anything you know, without stuttering or messing my words up. Or maybe, you know, there's always going to be something. There's going to be a distraction. There's going to be something that's going to happen. Mm. So you can't beat yourself up if the person's not ready. You just have to say continue to pray for them that they would be ready. So. Yeah, you uh, never get distracted like you did like four minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> I'm easily distracted. <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, because we just never we just never know when when the person might be ready. Yeah. Um, I think that's the example God gives us too because when you look through Revelation at the end times, there's chance after chance still being given. Mm. After all of this time, oh, after yeah. everything that happens, he never quits giving us opportunities no. to come to him. And that's what I and love about And he's still drawing it. people yeah. to himself. Yeah. And I, th- I think um, you make a good point there of you don't know where you're at in the process or in their process of coming to salvation. You might be the first one who's ever told them. You, they might get saved when they talk to you. Who knows? But your success in evangelism is not about how many people come to Christ. Your success in evangelism is how faithful you are to do it. God will take care of the numbers. One thing I hate about church life sometimes is that we make it all about numbers instead of faithfulness. And what Paul is saying, what Jesus is saying is be faithful to do it. God will take care of the, um, the harvest. You know, he'll take care of that. He's the Lord of the harvest. And we're the workers to go into the harvest. Yeah. Um, so just remember that it's not about the numbers you bring. You know, if you are faithful in doing it, then that's a success in God's eyes. That's a success in God's eyes. Yeah, I agree. And but uh, Jeff made a good point earlier. Honestly, just knowing what I know about our culture, if you have all the answers, they're gonna reject you. Mm. Like. Because you have, they're going to see you as like that holier than thou, that person who got everything together because you you have all these blanket, ready statements. And I have those. I have them available. But sometimes when I'm, when I'm doing evangelism, when I'm teaching the gospel, I don't talk as much as I want to. Mm. Because I want to I answer the question behind their question. I want them to see look, this is a big deal to me. This is very serious. But at the same time, not like my presentation is so flawless that you must receive this or I've got to convince you of it. It's more like I want to answer their questions and make sure they walk away knowing more about Jesus and how much he means to me, how big he is to me, than it is just having the right answer to their question to spot on. Because if you're if you wait to do evangelism, and I used to be this person, I used to think I had to have, and unfortunately, maybe I shouldn't talk about this. I went through a program when I was in high school where they told you exactly what to say. I mean, 
You ask this question. Mm -hmm. If they answer this way, you say this. Wow. If they answer this way, you say this. Right. Then you go through this verse and you say this after you read that verse. You, I mean, like structured. This is how you respond to their question. You 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 drive the conversation, and I'm telling you that didn't work for me. It won't work for my friends. I'd rather it just be a genuine conversation with you sharing your passion about the God you love and serve yes. and how much he's done for you. And honestly, you just say, Jesus loves me and bring them to church and just show them that love. Like it's more about your actions toward them in day-to-day -day life than it is about this moment that you bring up Jesus. And we get anxiety about it. I get it. But just be real with people and attempt to to just pour into their lives and, and, and trust the Spirit that the Spirit's going to give you the words you need for the heart of their questions. Because they might ask a question and something comes to your mind. You're like, I'm going to take the conversation over this way because I think that's where the, the heart of their question is. Because mm. yeah. sometimes we don't know. I mean, we don't know how to ask the right questions. And the people you talk to don't know how to ask the right questions. And Jeff's right. Don't try to just show people how smart you are and use the biggest words. Like even you mentioned uh, Messiah. The uh, after point one talked about Jesus as Messiah. Don't use the word Messiah with your friends. Like that, no one knows what that. I barely know what that means, and I've been studying it for years. <laughs> right? I mean, unless you're Jewish, you don't know what the Messiah is. Right. So. And that's just a practical thing, right? And and the reason I bring that up is because Malachi has a friend in his class named Messiah, mm. and I'm like, mm. clearly that you don't know what that means. <laughs> like, yeah. it's like, the Christ. Yeah, I mean, we know Jesus Christ. Yeah, but even Christ is Messiah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and basically, it means the Lord, the the one that was going to come to yeah, reveal yeah, Himself yeah. to mankind. Um, so, uh, and even Lord, I mean, all these things, depending on the person you talk to, you, you have to do some definition. You yeah, can't just you assume it, they yeah. know, because if they're mm -hmm. nodding their head, they may be thinking, I have no idea what you're talking about, but I'm being nice and friendly, because yeah. I don't be I don't want to appear stupid, mm -hmm. and then you basically think they know what you're talking about, and they don't. Yeah. So. I think the, going back to what you were talking to about, not always having an answer if you I think that is such a temptation I'm just being honest here a temptation for people who are formally trained in theology yeah I think that is a big temptation because there is a sense like you do need to be equipped to answer hard questions but discerning when's the right time to have a theological conversation and having a personal conversation about what's going on in their lives yeah. is tough sometimes because if, like, somebody they love just died and they're like, why would God allow this? It's probably not a good time to go into free will and all this kind of stuff and, like, creation order and all this mess, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But to sympathize with them, empathize with them, and acknowledge, acknowledge their struggle. Acknowledge their struggle and remind them that God is going to be with them and... We don't always have an answer for everything. Um, we don't always have an answer, but God's going to have a plan with it and um, just point them towards Christ gently. Um, 
and even then you gotta see where they're at because uh, if they're mad at God um, you know it's probably important that you know you hear them uh, don't judge them and just hear them out and then slowly slowly uh, turn the ship towards where they need to go but do it slowly and in a loving way um, but I think it can be such a temptation sometimes to just come out with um, just spouting off answers sometimes mm -hmm. and it takes practice yeah because we we actually do this a lot with um, chaplaincy yeah because you are there to support as a chaplain whatever their convictions are right. and like you were saying Pastor Jeremiah you, you want to to find out where they're at and and meet them there and you do that by reflective listening and you acknowledge their feelings um, and and then allow them to come to their own understanding because that's what it is it's God working in their heart to bring them to an understanding right so. and, and I think yeah and evangelism tools aren't bad they're just tools yeah it's just another way of kind of like you talked about Romans Road or EE or yeah. whatever it is uh, I taught on the three circles there's ways that you can it just helps you uh, present you know what what they're talking about here who Jesus is and then what are you gonna do about it yeah but um, those things are good, and there's another thing you just stick in the back of your mind, and then the Holy Spirit brings stuff out if it's there. But but if you're using it like as a sales pitch or something like that, and I've got to make this sales pitch, which is technically what it was, um, <clears throat> and so people get paid to make sales pitches, and they get paid a bonus if the person buys. That's the way, that's the way marketing works. So we can't look at it as marketing and mm. a sales pitch. We have to get past that and say, say, I care about you enough. I want to share yeah. with you something on my heart. It's relational. And if you show that, then they may be open to hearing more. Mm -hmm. And that's the whole thing is you want them, if they're not ready to receive Christ, maybe that's the first time they've ever heard it. And they're like, I have no idea what you're talking about. But you don't shut the door now and say, well, you want to leave it open where they, hey, I want to, I want to meet with you some more about this, I and mean, we can have more talks about it later. Yeah, and then give them something. Like, hey, you know, a good past, a good book to read is John. You know, you can read through the book of John, things like that, or give them a book of book of John. There's things you can do to carry that conversation on to to be an extended conversation and a relationship as opposed to a one time. Hey, I'm trying to get you saved. If you get saved, you're my buddy, my friend forever. If you don't get saved, you're gonna die and burn in hell, and I don't have time for you because I gotta get to the next person. Yeah. Well, people don't want to be they want they don't want to feel that from you, yeah. and so we can't we can't get people to do stuff like that either. It's important so. we don't make people projects, yeah. but we look at people as people, yeah. and like how you were saying, Katrina, make it relational. Um, uh, <clears throat> a great resource on evangelism is a book called Sharing Jesus Without Freaking Out. Um, Ironically, again, it's by Dr. McKinnon. We love the dude. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, Dr. Hildreth. Uh, and they mention in there, you know, when we get uh, spam or robocalls or whatever, or Spectrum, I don't know, calling, trying to, you know, sell us something, most people hang up. And if we do that to people, you know, they might spiritually hang us up, mm -hmm. you know, because uh, that's, how, that's how our society works right now. But... If you go in relational, most people are, are very open to having spiritual conversations. Mm -hmm. um, they're actually more surprised that you don't share with them than they would be if you shared with them. Um, I would really recommend that resource to anybody because, like, there was a time where I just I struggled with evangelism, struggled with the anxiety of like freaking out and stuff. And I read that book, 
the title is actually very like, oh, I should read this. <laughs> um, I really would recommend it. And it's a very easy read. It's not like an academic, like you got to have a PhD to read it kind of thing. It's very like down to earth and um, gives a lot of examples of stuff. So I would recommend that. Yeah. And uh, I guess we kind of wrap this up, but I guess my last word of encouragement is never forget the power behind the phrase, I don't know, let's find out. Because, I mean, if you don't know, just say you don't know. Right. Yeah. I mean, I do it all the time. And I, and I guess the more you do it, the more comfortable you are saying, look, I don't know. But let's find out because I think one of y'all mentioned it. Like, you could win an argument, but you're going to lose that conversation. Mm -hmm. And the moment you lose that conversation, you may never get it back. But if you say, I don't know, let's find out, that means the conversation is going to continue. And it means you care about the person enough to, like, spend your time trying to answer their questions. You have your own questions. I have my own questions. But let's let's find out the answer to your question. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, I've never thought about that because it's not my question. Right. And so, just a lot of what we're saying is basically just be a human, have normal human conversations with people about your Savior, right. about the most important thing in your life. And it, I know it's weird sometimes. It's hard to bring up sometimes. It, you're talking about basketball one second, and 30 seconds later, you want to talk about Jesus. Yeah. I, I get it. I've been there. I, I, I've had those times when I'm like, oh, should I bring up Jesus here? Should I bring up Jesus? I've been there, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. It's yeah. just, I, I get it. It's weird. It's hard to discern sometimes. But he's the most important. And people know that about me now. They know that dude, Jeremiah is going to talk about Jesus. He can't not talk about Jesus. Right. And sometimes they might avoid me for that reason. And I get it. It's yeah. It stinks, but... Uh, I try not to be weird about it or unconversational. I try to just be conversational with people and keep the conversation alive and not cause them to be so angry they don't come to me with when they have a, a real need, like, like a physical need. Um, but, yeah, so uh, we'll wrap this up. We're just over an hour uh, on the podcast. Y'all got anything else you want to say before I – all right, Jeff, what's uh, pitch us for next week? Well, you kind of stole my thunder, but John 16, (laughs) verses 7 through 11, it shows you how when we do this witnessing, if we're going to do it in the power of the Holy Spirit, it's three ways the Holy Spirit does His work as our helper with the person we're talking to. Gotcha. And it's called conviction. Yeah. Sometimes we think we're the one that's supposed to convict people, but we're not. Yeah. That's that's His job, but He helps us, so... We're going to look at those three ways. That's going to be good, y'all. Yeah, good. Yeah, you got a little precursor. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for uh, joining us. Uh, again, if you ever have questions, uh, don't hesitate to text one of us. Uh, send them into our secretary page. Uh, she'll get them to us. Uh, or just call us. Give us a phone call. We're, we're always here for you. Um, we love you, and uh, thanks again. We'll see you on the next one.